not so cool about our babysitter now, are we? He's not my babysitter. I knew it. He's a wuss. Come on, let's go. Just like his dad, the draft dodger, right? First kid. <laughs> Come on. Come on. A Secret Service agent gets the worst possible job, babysitting the president's teenage son. Listen as we discuss the thrill of going into a reptile house, the only thing we know about Amy Carter, and we solve the mystery of the home improvement child actor's middle names. Then we find out if Disney's first kid stands the test of time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with the glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Test of Time. I'm your host, James Brief, and joining me, as always, is my buddy, my co-host, Alan Noah. I mean, I'm also the host. You're the host, and I'm the host. Aren't we both co-hosts? I feel like that's, like, the normal thing. I think we should both be the host. Singular. But how you been, James? I'm good. I actually uh, just attended a convention in Las Vegas. I went to uh, CES 2022. That's a consumer electronics show. Mm -hmm. It was a three-day event, and I was uh, double-masked the whole time. And it was actually about a third of the usual attendees that they usually come. So, And in these uh, Las Vegas convention centers that it took place in, in the various rooms, there was a big open space, uh, even though it was indoors. Now, I went to a CES many, many years ago, and when I was there, it was the same weekend as, like, the Adult Video Awards or something, and it was funny because you'd see, like, all of these tech nerds, and they would be passing by the hallway with these porn stars. Was that happening when you were there? So that is absolutely true, but that's not true anymore. About, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, they split. And who knows if the legend was true about that's why the CES people made it the Adult Film Awards weekend, you know, to try to lure all the tech guys in from all the world. But uh, Uh. who, who knows? But after a while, CES is so big that it did not need the allure of, uh, you know, a sideshow to bring people there. Gotcha. And uh, there were some really cool things there. I mean, I think the thing that kind of stole the show was BMW's color-changing car. Wait, how does that work? It it works by some kind of uh, photo, something. I I, I don't know. I mean, I guess (laughs) you could call it magic. I I don't know. What? There's magic at CES now? Yes, but uh, it does change colors. And, you know, these are things that at CES, that doesn't mean you can buy this now. Um, Right. I also saw a lot of really cool advances in things that we don't have yet, but it's cool to see here and people trying to get uh, publicity or funding or, you know, media. Like, there was a lot of uh, VR simulators. You know, a friend of the show, uh, Uri, uh, who recently reviewed uh, The Matrix with us, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to CES, and and uh, we went to this VR station where we put on vests and gloves and these little things on the feet, and you put on an Oculus, uh, a Quest 2, and no controllers or anything. And when you're inside, we were basically having lightsaber battles, and when you would uh, clank the, uh, the sabers together, you would feel it, the resistance in your hand. When you would get someone in the chest, you would feel it where they sliced you. And then you can tap your arm and switch it to electric pulses and you throw them an electrical pulse over their body and it vibrates all over. He and I were definitely smiling and laughing as we were doing it because it's certainly not the oasis, but it was very cool to have that haptic feedback. I mean, it sounds like uh, like the oasis. That's what I was kind of envisioning, like Ready Player One level stuff. And that's cool. Uh, there was one more VR thing I thought was pretty cool. I guess sometimes they call it 4D experiences, which is kind of silly. Because time passes while you're in them? No, because it's a little more than just three-dimensional that you're seeing. Like, for example, uh, this was a seat that you sit in, and you put a VR helmet on, and you're in a roller coaster. So the seat is vibrating, and there's these fans that are, like, blowing at you, like, really fast as you go down the, uh, you know, the really steep parts. And That's cool. It reminded me of something from this movie, actually, this movie First Kid, which came out in 1996. And it has a scene that has one of these little displays in a mall that has this very primitive VR station. And it's just amazing that it's 25 years later and, you know, these helmets that basically do all of that stuff are available for like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, Courtney bought the family an Oculus uh, for Christmas, and uh, I need to do more exploring with it, but it's a fun thing. And yeah, virtual reality has been the next big thing for over 20 years. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely getting cooler in real life now than what it is in First Kid. And yeah, First Kid, it's a movie from 1996, and this movie is about uh, Luke Davenport, and he is the son of the President of the United States. He doesn't really have any friends, and he's at a new prep school in Washington, D.C., and the kids aren't really nice to him, and he doesn't really get along with the Secret Service members that are on his detail. That is, until he's assigned to Sam Sims, played by Sinbad. And this Secret Service agent, he's a little different. He understands Luke, and he starts to talk to him at his level, and he starts to show him a couple cool things, and even teaches him how to defend himself. And a disgruntled former Secret Service agent is trying to kidnap and possibly even uh, harm Luke. But Sims, in the end, he's able to save the day. And in the end, he becomes the permanent agent protecting the first kid of the United States. Yes, that is what this movie is about. And I don't really remember this movie coming out in theaters. I can't imagine that it was a blockbuster smash. Well, I mean, it came out on August 30th, 1996, and this film came out right in the middle of the Clinton administration, uh, a couple months before Bill Clinton would be reelected. Mm-hmm. And you and I were the same age as Chelsea Clinton. And in our lifetime, you and I, we had never seen a president that had young children. So that was a big deal. And people focused a lot on Chelsea Clinton. And there was a lot about her braces and, you know, the limits of how much we should uh, be uh, covering the children of the presidency. And I think this film sort of reflected that. And this film, I've seen the budget anywhere from five to 15 million dollars. And it actually opened at number three with 8.8 million on its way to 26 million dollars. So 
it probably squeezed out a profit here and there. But uh, as we'll talk about later, I would say that the producers of this film are not the people that uh, became the most successful from this film. Oh, I know where you're going with that. Okay, we'll save that for later. Um, I watched this movie on Disney+, Plus, and when you start a movie on Disney+, Plus, there's usually that little thing in the top left that tells you if there's anything objectionable, and of course, there's usually not much objectionable because it's Disney+, Plus. but this movie had a warning that said, brief partial nudity, and my son, Eli, saw that and was like, brief partial nudity? What nudity is there in this movie? And I was like, well, if it's brief partial nudity and it's a Disney movie, I'm going to guess at one point we see a butt really, really quickly. And uh, that was correct, by the way. Um, And we see the butt of Luke Davenport. That is the titular first kid. And we basically just see him being a pest. He is annoying the Secret Service agent that is assigned to him, this guy named Woods. He's just like taking his time with his cereal. They go to the mall for back to school shopping. And like the entire media is there to like witness the first kid do back to school shopping, which seems like horrible and invasive. And also like, is there no other news that these people could be covering? Yeah, I mean, it does establish that the kid is kind of lonely and he doesn't have any friends. And right. uh, they insinuate that he barely even speaks to his father because the mother, the first lady of the United States, she says, I'll call your father if you keep acting up. And he says, well, at least I'll get to talk to him. Right. And I feel bad for the kid. In this same scene, he's acting out. He really doesn't want to wear suits that his mother's buying him. And at one point, uh, Woods, uh, Timothy Busfeld, he grabs Luke. And yeah, the mother's not going to take that. You know, he can't grab her kid. And uh, so she basically has him fired. All of a sudden, uh, Sims, he's assigned. And the first thing Sims does is he jumps in front of Luke, mooning the press. So at least he stops it after a couple seconds. Right, right. And then Sims gets... That's the job of protecting the first kid. And in that scene, we get a sense of who this guy is and his personality. He's basically just a guy that always has excuses. And how come you never wear your earpiece? And he's like, well, there's like a high frequency buzzing and it kind of hurts my ear. So I take my earpiece out sometimes. And that's like, the one thing you never do if you're in the Secret Service. Like, I mean, I guess also, you know, jump in front of bullets and protect uh, the president and their family. But like he's got an excuse for why he doesn't do the things he's supposed to do. And the reason is it's Sinbad. He's like a wisecracking guy. He's like the funny guy. He's the cool guy. And he's not really excited to be guarding the first kid. But then he does have the line where he says, he's just a kid. How bad can it be? Which I'm guessing was in the trailer. You know, like that line had to be, well, you're going to find out, Agent Sims, just how hard it is guarding the first kid. Coming this August. From Disney. I, you know, I totally agree with you about the earpiece because a lot of the things he complains about, I kind of thought were, you know, amusing. Sinbad wears these incredibly 90s ties, which are like super bright colors. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's always commenting on him. And then also, you know, Secret Service is supposed to blend in, but he's like, no, man, I got to look cool. And, you know, I did actually chuckle when the boss is like, why does it say here that you have a problem with your identification? And he's like, 
oh, well, I've lost some weight and this makes me look fat. I like that. But when he says he doesn't wear his earpiece, I'm like, oh, well, that's silly. And I actually thought maybe it was going to be a plot point later that he wasn't wearing his earpiece and he missed something. But no, they just used it for a joke, which which wasn't a funny joke. But he does uh, get assigned to Luke. He's basically testing the new guy and he taunts him with a huge snake. I assume, is this snake a viper? Because he calls himself Viper Boy on on his uh, screen name. That's a good question. I don't know. The thing that kind of made me laugh about this scene is that snakes as a pet, that's not really my thing. But whatever, who cares if you like having a pet snake, say la vie. But like, I do think it is creepy when people have a pet snake and they frequently let it out of its like little cage or whatever. I remember once, many, many years ago, I was dating this girl, and we went to her friend's house to watch a movie, and the friend had a giant snake. Don't ask me what kind it was, because I don't know, but the snake was, like, not in its cage. It was, like, on, like, a piece of furniture, and I don't even remember what the movie was that we watched, because I wasn't watching the movie. I was just staring at that damn snake the whole time, because it really creeped me out. Like, I think if you have a pet snake, it should be in its cage, not just wandering around the room. I guess he's the president's son, so he can get away with it. But, like, I do think that that's a creepy thing. You know, there's something interesting about this scene. I really have to give credit to the cinematographer of this film. There's a couple shots that are actually quite intriguing to me. And this guy's name is Anthony Richmond, all in a single shot. Luke taunts uh, Sinbad with the snake, and then the president uh, calls them all outside into the hallway. Sims is told to put the snake away, and in the background, while the president and his wife are talking to the first kid, Sinbad is, like, you know, getting the snake wrapped around him, and this is all happening live. It is definitely a real snake. And then when they're done talking to him, the focus goes back to Sinbad as Luke walks back in, and I actually thought it was an impressive shot. I give credit where Predators do. Um, you think that was definitely a live snake in real life that Sinbad was wrestling with? Absolutely. I mean, I am terrified of snakes, but I understand that with a snake handler nearby me telling me this snake is totally harmless and, like, even if it isn't, like, I have the stun gun right here, right off camera, I would be fine if I was the star of a film, you know, by Disney. (laughs) I'd probably do the scene, even though I'm scared of it. You know, it would be good for my method acting, I guess, because I would be like Sinbad's character and I would be terrified. But, yes, I absolutely think in 1990, this was definitely a live snake. Maybe, maybe. But you, me, and Sinbad all agree that snakes are creepy. Or I guess maybe not Sinbad, but uh, Agent Sims, his character in the movie. Oh, they're the worst. The worst. The absolute worst. When I go to the zoo, I get a thrill the same way you get a thrill of, you know, going down a roller coaster and getting this feeling of falling and being scared. I get this thrill when I go into a uh, reptile house and, you know, there's snakes and huge boas. It's terrifying. But, you know, I feel safe because there's glass there, but still scary. Yes, indeed. Um... But Luke sneaks out, he runs off, and Agent Sims catches him, and instead of it being, like, a big deal, Sims covers for him, and he says, oh, we were just playing hide-and-seek, I found you, Luke, you're so good at hide-and-seek. But then he's also, like, playing duck-duck-goose, like, he's patting Luke on the head and, like, all the other guys who, like, rush to the scene, and it's like, uh, duck-duck-goose is not the same thing as hide-and-seek, 
Those are two separate games. Sims should know that. And presumably the kids watching this Disney movie would know that. It's just a weird thing. Yeah, I didn't really get it. Uh, And I don't mean this as an insult to Sinbad, but I feel like it's the kind of thing that maybe a 1996 Robin Williams could pull off just being like, oh, I mean, uh, duck, duck, goose, uh, duck, 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 you know, a little wackier, but it was just a more like Sinbad just smiling the whole time. And that joke didn't work. I I did like, you know, he's, he's covering for Luke and trying to make it seem like Luke won't get in trouble. I mean, I think you definitely hit on something just there that this movie really focuses on Sinbad doing wacky, crazy things. And sometimes the outlandish behavior works and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it just falls flat. And yeah, it does kind of seem like he's trying to do like a manic Robin Williams impression to varying degrees of success throughout the movie. Um, But we also see that Luke uses an online chat room and he's talking to another kid, or so he thinks, that is also a snake enthusiast. And when they're chatting, you see like the text on screen and one of them, I'm not sure if it was Luke or the person he was talking to, but they write LOL and then in parentheses, they spell out laugh out loud, which made me laugh out loud because I could only imagine that some executive at Disney in 1996 was like, well, if we're saying LOL, we're going to need to tell people what that is because no one knows what LOL means. And maybe to be fair in 1996, maybe not everybody did. Uh, It may not have been because really your only access to that was AOL. And, you know, I had Prodigy back in the day. And I don't remember learning LOL on there. I thought that was more when uh, you were chatting with someone back and forth. In order to tell someone that what you said was funny, that's where LOL came from. So, right. you know, I think that is funny. But I do like that Sims is warning Luke to be careful online. And Sims winds up meeting Woods in a bar. And Woods, uh, played by Timothy Busfield, people might know him from uh, The West Wing. Uh, He was also in uh, Revenge of the Nerds. He was Poindexter. I think he kind of plays like a a disgruntled loser pretty well in this film. He's in the bar and he's all washed up and he's getting totally drunk. And he orders uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. And he explains that it's like, Two shots or something. The other guy orders a Harvey Wallbanger, which is a real drink. And then he says, no, I want a Harvey Oswald, which is two shots. Right, right, right. Which is a joke about the assassination of a president of the United States. I mean, it's 30 some odd years later. Still maybe too soon? I don't know. Yeah, you know, to, to the Secret Service agents, I don't know, being a joke of Harvey Oswald is probably not the kind of thing that they genuinely do The people that like their job there. Right. But when Luke goes to school, he meets a girl that he thinks is cute, and there's a bully who is one of the brothers from Home Improvement, not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but Zachary Ty Bryan. Did all three of the brothers on Home Improvement have three names? I don't remember the name of the other one. Well, um, I believe what where it comes from is the fact that they kind of had sort of generic names. And I believe the SAG-AFTRA, the, the rules are you can't have the same name as anyone else. That's why uh, Samuel Jackson, who always went by Sam Jackson, he has to be Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Vivica A. Fox, because there probably already was a Vivica Fox that was part of the union. So when you have someone named like Jonathan Thomas, you know, my guess is that 
in the, I don't know, 70 years of, of these unions, there's probably been a Jonathan Thomas. So when this child actor came, it's, okay, I'm Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And I think Zachary Bryan, there probably was already one there. That's my guess. Uh, the other kid was Taryn Noah Smith. I mean, I don't know how many Taryn Smiths there were that he needed to use his middle name too. Maybe at that point he just, you know, didn't want to be left out. He wanted to That's use, uh, he, he wanted to have his middle name in there too. That I can't explain. I can only explain the Jonathan Thomas. Fair enough. Um, but Luke's unhappy at school. The bully. Oh, oh wait, wait, actually, I'm going to say Taryn Smith, actress in The Flamingo Kid in 1989. That's probably where it came from. There you go. The mystery solved. Um, while uh, Luke is at school, this home improvement bully, uh, he beats up Luke. Well, it doesn't really beat him up. He just punches him. And Sims is like off to the distance because Luke asked him for some space. And OK, you could give the kid space. But also like when the kid's going to be in a fight and you're the Secret Service agent, you should intervene pretty quickly and not let the child of the president get punched in the face. Also, though, that bully taking a swing at the president's kid, that's a bold move for, you know, just a middle school, high school bully. Yeah, I like a lot of the things that were being thrown out there. Like there was a lot of Clinton-esque references that like this is an alternate universe Clinton family that instead of Chelsea, we have Luke because the bully, he's like, your dad's a draft dodger. <laughs> right. I feel like we maybe mentioned this in some other episode. I feel like that joke doesn't really stand the test of time. Clinton was a draft dodger and it was terrible. He was elected. Trump was a draft dodger. He was elected. Like, I don't know. Do people really care about that anymore? No. And Obama didn't serve at all. And Bush kind of served in the Texas Air Guard, maybe kind of, who knows. So, like, I don't think people really care right now. However, I believe that will eventually become important as we have more veterans of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. They, I believe, will be treated differently than the Vietnam and Gulf War veterans. Right. But there's no draft. Like, being a draft dodger isn't a thing anymore now right, that there's right, not a draft. Right. Unless, you know, we do reinstitute the draft for World War Three or the World War Against the Zombies. Corporate war. Or more realistically, the Civil War too. But let's hope not. Let's not go there. Um, there's a scene where Luke is so upset about his rough day at school where he goes into like this secret tunnel that he can get to from his room. And there's a thing on the wall that says Amy Carter was here, 79. I mean, that's a joke that for my kids meant nothing. I mean, doesn't really mean anything to me. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you anything about Amy Carter. The only thing I know about Amy Carter is that she apparently went to public school. Oh, okay. You know, as opposed to like all of the Clinton and Obama and Trump kids that all go to prep school, like in this movie, Luke Davenport, that was a big deal that uh, Jimmy Carter was like, I'm just going to send her to the same school that any other kid would go to. Uh, I don't know how well it turned out, but I just know that was a thing. Because when Chelsea Clinton went to private school, I remember it was a thing because she was our age. And it was like, where is she going to go to school? And I remember them saying, Amy Carter went to public school. Oh, okay. 
But because Sims is worried about Luke, he gets this tracking device from his friend who works at the mall, and he's a former government guy, and he gives him this tracker that's in like a peace symbol necklace thing. And you think, okay, well, that's pretty cool. That's a small little tracker. But then it comes with this other device that you use to track where the thing is, and it's this giant, huge monitor and an even bigger charger where the guy is like, oh, don't forget to charge it. And it's just laughable how big this device is when now any tracker, any monitor, it would just be connected to a cell phone. You don't need a giant, huge charger that people are going to forget. Yeah, it'd be one of these Apple tag things. Uh, you know, yeah. That's exactly what it'd be. But this film does have a lot of things that are uh, a little bit ahead of its time. Trackers and then... Uh, there's the virtual reality system that uh, Luke sees in the mall earlier with his mom when he's clothing shopping. Do you remember that thing being in malls or like at tourist attractions? Sure. I definitely remember seeing that. And I definitely remember that my parents would never pay. It was not like a dollar. It was like $15 or something. And I never got to play. Aww. Did you ever get to play it? No. <laughs> my parents wouldn't pay for that crap either. Yeah, exactly. It's simulated on the Oculus, so you can finally fulfill a childhood fantasy. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. But, um, you know, the uh, little tunnel that we were talking about that Amy Carter used to sneak into, uh, Sims and Luke use it to sneak out of the White House, and they're able to uh, go to this boxing gym. And it turns out that Sims used to be uh, a boxer back in the day, and he was a champion. And there's this great montage, a uh, great uh, 90s montage. And it's about Luke slowly training in the boxing gym because he has to learn how to defend himself next time he gets into a fight. And there's a lot of funny wipes in it. There's like star wipes and the sweeping wipes. I, I guess I don't know what you call the wipes that are like in Star Wars a lot when it goes like clockwise around uh, I'm not sure. There were star wipes? I didn't notice any star wipes. It wasn't star, but it was like, I guess you call it explosion wipe. You know, it wouldn't be like a five star thing. It was like that, like, you know, 20-pointed asterisk, like, expanding out. Gotcha. And there's also a, a montage where uh, Sims, because he always has to sit in the back and uh, be a Secret Service agent, Rob, uh, Zachary Ty Bryan, the bully, he's always shooting spitballs at Sims. And there's a part during the montage, which is a total, like, CNC music factory ripoff that's basically what the music is yeah and rob tries to shoot a little straw sized spitball at sims he misses and then sims picks up like a paper towel tube size straw and then spits out this huge what looks like an entire like wad of paper towels in uh i assume water but you know spitball is being spit and it goes all over rob and it's like aha he's getting the bully back yeah I didn't think that was all that funny. Or COVID-friendly. That's also true. That's also true. And then there's like some C or D level plot where Sims is flirting with the biology teacher because she's real cute. And it's not enough just for the kid to have a love interest like Sims needs to have one, too. But the girl that Luke likes, she's having a birthday party. And Luke really wants to go, but he can't because he's the first kid. And so he can't just show up at a birthday party. But they sneak out and 
Luke wants to get like a closer look at this girl that he likes, but Sims won't allow it. But there's a way that he can monitor what's going on while also being incognito. And that is to be in this mascot, which is like a giant cup of Coke with like a pizza thing on top that is going around the skating rink, I guess, to encourage people to buy pizza and drink Coke. But it's so stupid because why would anyone need that? Like if you're in a roller rink and there's a snack bar, you're going to see the snack bar. You're going to smell the food. You don't need someone in that costume going around the rink like reminding people. And also, that's just a safety hazard. That person's going to have a really hard time skating, which is what happens in the movie. I think you're way overthinking this. I think the mascot could usually see perfectly fine if they're not Sinbad inside of it. And I don't know. I think they. I think these roller rinks totally do that kind of stuff. When did you see that in a roller rink? The one roller rink you went to, James, where there was a guy in a Coke cup costume. See, this is why you could trust me, Al, because all I'd have to do right now is say, Montvale Roller Rink did that. And you'd be like, ah, crap. No, I wouldn't. Touche, Al. I have never actually seen a skating mascot, but I think it does make sense. It does not. (laughs) But that being said, I do like in the roller rink. Did you notice that most of the kids were all in roller skates, but the bad guys, uh, Rob's whole crew, they were in black rollerblades? Did you notice that? I did not. (laughs) But okay, I'm glad that you were paying attention. I did love some of the things that like the girl's friends say to her. One of her friends says, this is such a great party. You're so popular. Like, wait, what? (laughs) Is that a sentence that like any human being has ever said? And then there's a couple's skate and the bully asks the girl to skate with him and they hold hands and it's like oh no Luke's girl is falling for the bully and they're talking about the song and she's like oh I like this song do you have the CD all of it is just so 90s it made me laugh Um, But then there's like this random throwaway gag where the president is talking to Bill Clinton on like a video phone, which I think was supposed to be like, whoa, the president has a video phone. How cool and advanced is that? Because it's 1996. But the whole joke is that Bill Clinton is saying, hey, man, have you found my saxophone? Look everywhere. Check the closet. I'm sure I left it there somewhere. And, you know, Bill Clinton played the sax. Ha ha ha. I mean, it's a pretty, like, dumb cameo. According to the IMDb trivia, it's, like, the only time a sitting president appeared in a scripted movie, which, if that trivia is true, like, oof, it was for this movie? Yes, but uh, there was a little scene with a Sonny Bono character from Sonny and Cher. He was a United States congressman for the last couple years of his life. And I think he served a few terms from California. Yeah. You know, I think actually this cameo kind of aged a little better than it was. Because I remember at the time, you know, well, let me explain. Let me explain. For our age, like Sonny Bono was kind of of a joke. The joke's not the right word. I mean, like, there was Cher, and then there was, you know, this guy, Sonny Bono, that I didn't really know who he was. I only knew I Got You Babe, really, from Groundhog Day, but I knew Cher was still, you know, this huge star. At the time, it didn't really, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that guy is a a congressman. But now it's like, 
oh, he was, I guess, kind of a harmless congressman, you know? Uh, No, this joke did not age well at all. My kids were like, who's that? And then I had to explain who Sonny and Cher were. And they were like, who are they? And I had to explain the song and they didn't get any of it. Oh, I 100% agree with you that for someone like your your children's age, they will not understand it at all. I was speaking purely uh, for myself. Uh, I thought it was kind of cute, and I I think I appreciate it actually a little more than I did as a kid, but 100% your kids would not understand that. Right. But then there's this school dance, and Luke really wants to go, and he asks out the girl that he likes, and then he gets nervous before the dance because he doesn't know how to dance, but Agent Sims teaches him. At one point, he says, oh, you should do a pelvic thrust. And I was watching this with my my kids, and my son Eli was like, a pelvic thrust? That's a terrible idea. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Don't do that. Like, if you're ever at a school dance dancing with your friends, don't do that. He is doing bar mitzvah dances from 1996. (laughs) I mean, am I really that wrong? Like, this is basically your sister's age where she would have had her bar mitzvah. It's probably kind of things that the DJ at her bar mitzvah was doing. You know, just kind of like cheesy 90s dancing. Um, I have a shocking confession. My sister didn't have a bat mitzvah. It was a really big scandal in the Noah family. The fact that I'm even talking about it in the podcast may bring up a lot of bad blood with my family, but it, it's okay. We'll work through it. You know what? There is still time for her to have a bat mitzvah. I guess. Uh, Sam, if you're listening, you should contact your rabbi. Um, <laughs> but then Luke can't go to the dance because there's a suspicious package left outside the White House. And I thought that that, as a thing, does stand the test of time. You know, I could see that happening now, that there would be a lockdown if there's a suspicious package. But then Sims sneaks Luke out. They go to the dance. He gets to dance with the girl. Uh, they dance to I Can Love You Like That. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, like, cheesy uh, slow dance for the 90s. Do you remember who sings it? No, I don't. It was a group called All For One. They sang I Swear. Yeah, and it's all dash the number four, and then one is spelled out. So, so corny, but I do like that song. Um, But then, like, the rest of the Secret Service guys show up at the dance, and they fire Sims because, hey, you weren't supposed to take the kid out. And I didn't understand this plot point at all. I mean, I get it why it happens, because that's what they want to happen for the movie, but, like... If the kid is already out of the White House and it's fine and he's safe at the dance and he's being protected by the Secret Service agent, at that point, who cares? Like, he shouldn't have snuck him out, but why do they need to, like, bring him back to the White House if there's a suspicious package there? Like, isn't he safer at the school at that point? Oh, I don't know about bringing him back to the White House, but you would absolutely fire the agent who snuck the first kid out of the White House without the general knowledge of the other Secret Service agents. You would absolutely fire this guy for doing that. Fine, but they shouldn't have made him leave the dance and brought him back to the White House. Oh, I agree. Luke did nothing wrong there. I mean, Luke played along, but I I would not punish Luke here. Right, 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 right. So Luke's all pissed off and he goes on to his online chat and he talks to that friend that he keeps talking to. We find out that the friend he's been talking to online, who's supposed to be a 12-year-old girl and he's a 13-year-old boy, um, the 12-year-old girl is actually uh, former Secret Service agent Woods, uh, Timothy Busfeld. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. 
Yeah, and he basically says, um, you should come out and meet me at the mall. I thought this is kind of clever, actually, because they put a little tracking bracelet on Luke because they know he has some kind of secret hideout or passageway somewhere, so they put a tracking bracelet on. And the friend is like, well, I know how to get that off. I saw it on MacGyver. Uh-huh. And, of course, you know, he knows how because it's uh, you know, a Secret Service agent. So he helps him get it off, and they meet up in the mall. And the first thing Luke does is he goes in the virtuality uh, VR simulator and plays that dactyl nightmare. And it's this really, really primitive 3D game. But it seems to be, because, you know, you and I were not privileged enough to ever have tried it, but it seems to be a a kind of immersive and reactive experience, a very primitive kind of Oculus experience. And and actually, at the time, I was intrigued. And I still was intrigued for more of like a retro reason. I was very intrigued by the clips from this Dactyl Nightmare that they put in. Yeah, I mean, it kind of made me roll my eyes. But I get it. That's like what he can do now that he's free and and he's allowed to do whatever he wants. But after Luke plays the game, then Woods kind of grabs him. Meanwhile, Sims is looking for him and he goes to his buddy who gave him that peace symbol tracker thing. And that guy works at the mall. He's got like a, a spy shop in the mall, which is convenient because that's where Luke is. But then Sims and his friend go looking for Luke because he's in the mall somewhere. And Sims is like, I'm going to check this floor. You go downstairs. And then we see that his friend is in a wheelchair. And I was like, why are you sending the guy in a wheelchair down to another floor? Why don't you go to another floor? It'll be faster for you to take the escalator. I mean, I don't know if you've ever waited for an elevator at the mall. Like, it takes forever. Let the guy in the wheelchair keep exploring that floor. Like, that just makes sense. Well, maybe Sims knew what kind of friend he had because this guy actually does not take the elevator. He takes his wheelchair down the escalator and basically just like rides it down instantly and everyone just dives out of the way. It's actually kind of a cool move, I have to admit, but you're entirely correct about how silly it is. But Sims also, he does try to get down to the first floor too and he just jumps off the ledge into what is such an obvious net... It's a stunt, you know, you don't want the guy to jump out a story on the dirt. But, uh, you know, it was so obviously a net. It was pretty funny. Right. But then Woods basically confesses his plot, which is that his life was ruined by this kid and he's going to bring him back to the White House now and he'll be a hero and he'll get his job back, which doesn't seem likely. But you understand that that's the idea of this deranged character but then sims comes out and he's like i'm not gonna let you get away with it and then woods takes out a gun and i was like whoa this movie took a weird turn i mean like the kidnapping is you know intense for a kid's movie but then he takes out a gun he starts shooting at sims but sims is able to knock out woods it's okay But then, because it's a movie, Woods, like, has that moment where he's knocked out, but he's not done, and he gets back up, and he has another gun hidden on his leg. And then he decides he's not going to try to kill Sims. He's going to try to kill Luke. And he points the gun at the kid, 
and fires. And then Sims does the secret service thing and he jumps in front of uh, the bullet. He takes the bullet for the kid. And, you know, that is a callback to an earlier conversation that he had with his mentor. And, you know, that's a thing that Secret Service agents do, especially in movies. But I was really, really shocked by this thing happening in the movie. Like, this is a Disney movie. And the bad guy just pointed a gun and shot at a kid. I was really shocked by that. Were you shocked? No, I think you're really over overreacting. I mean, don't you show your kids Harry Potter films? Um, yeah, Harry Potter movies are not Disney movies. Uh, yeah, but they're still like kids. I, I think, no, I, I think there was, I don't think there was anything that violent about it. I think it was kind of. What? I mean, I'm saying I think it was kind of cartoonish. It was not Quentin Tarantino stuff. It was a guy pulling out a gun. What What is this film rated? Is it PG? Uh, I think PG. Yeah, pro- probably is PG. I mean, I'll get you that like PG usually doesn't have it, but this is 90s PG. <laughs> I thought that was really, really weird. But yeah, then uh, there's just a little epilogue where Sims is offered a job where he can protect the president and he says no, he wants to stay with Luke because he likes Luke and also he likes Luke's teacher so he's going to be in class with her for another semester. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then they're like playing hockey in front of the White House and Luke hits a hockey puck right into Sims. Which is like a joke because, haha, he gets hurt. But also, I thought it was weird because there wasn't any hockey in the movie before then. It just kind of seemed like a out of left field joke. Yeah, it did seem like a weird joke to end on because, like, he gets hit in the face with a hockey puck. I mean, that hurts like hell. But also, now he's chasing him. Like, probably would have been uh, better if you, like, actually caught him and you saw that he wasn't going to hurt him. But it's a weird thing for him to chase him. I thought it was a weird joke to end on. Yes, it was. But, James, now that we've come to the end of First Kid, do you think this movie stands the test of time? You know, there's a couple things in here that actually I think uh, do stand up. Um, They didn't explore too much, but I think that being the... uh, you know, the new kid at this prep school, because these are probably all rich kids of, you know, local Maryland and D.C., Virginia people. Like, Mm -hmm. these kids have been there for a while, and he's 13 years old, and he's the new kid. And, you know, he kind of sat alone, and, you know, I would have liked for him to kind of make a friend or two, as opposed to just, you know, going for a girl there. But um, I like those things. I actually thought the movie had a very decent score. I'm not talking about the 90s, like, music. I'm not talking about the soundtrack. I thought that the main act Uh, Brock Pierce, the kid actor Luke Davenport, I thought he did a pretty good job. And uh, Sinbad wasn't really that bad in it also. Ringing endorsement. I, you know, I mean... I mentioned the cinematographer. Uh, that there was that really uh, some interesting long shots there. There was another shot at the end of the dancing cameo, and they were really playing, I guess, with a you know a long establishment shot and early CGI that actually I thought worked pretty well. It zoomed out from Luke's bedroom in the White House and zoomed all the way out into Washington D.C. past the Washington Tower. I haven't seen this film in like 25 years or so, but it actually reminded me of the same thing I saw back then, which was I like the idea that this is actually a 13-year-old living in the White House. And that is an interesting concept. And I like that there's a lot of things like that in this film. 
That being said, you know what would have really fixed this film out and made it really, really different and a lot better in one way? What's that? I feel like if the first part of the film, at the very first moment, they just said... Washington, D.C., comma, 1996. And it was almost like a parody of being in the 90s because there's so much of this film that is just so 90s. And it is a cute film. I think it is. And do I think it it holds up? Um, no, I, I, I don't think it does. I don't think you need to see it. I think there's a lot of references in there that really won't stand up. I, I think Sinbad's actually kind of cute in the film. And watching this, I figure, you know, it's a shame his career wasn't bigger. I'm not saying he should have been a superstar, but it's a shame he never got a good script. Because I think the guy can be funny, but he never was that funny. But they were definitely elements that I, I chuckled at. So I'm going to give a lot of people credit in this film for a lot of things that did. But the sum of the parts is a film that you really don't need to see today. And that is a, a lot of the criteria. Does a film stand the test of time? The one last thing that did stand the test of time is Brock Pierce. Uh, I didn't really want to get into a whole tangent, but he became like a crypto billionaire, apparently. So, uh, yeah. you know, good for him. He is probably the person that wound up being the most successful from this whole uh, whole film. But the film itself, no, it does not stand the test of time. Uh, what do you think, Al? Does First Kid stand the test of time? No, not at all. It's a terrible, terrible movie. Oh, Al, that's so mean. <laughs> I mean, it's also fair. Just one quick thing about Brock Pierce. He uh, ran for president in 2020 and got 0.03% of the vote. Wait, 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 wait. The quick math is 300 million people. 1% is 3 million. 0.1% is 300,000. 0.01% is 30,000. So 0.03 would be 90,000 people voted for uh, Luke Davenport. Yeah, he apparently wants to start a third major party, political party. Good luck with that, Brock. Um, but I think this movie is pretty terrible. I do think that Brock Pierce, for all of his good work that he did in cryptocurrency, he's not a very good actor in this movie. He and Sinbad have absolutely no chemistry together. I don't like his character, and I should. I think there is something there about, like, What's it like to be a kid whose parent is the president? I think you could definitely make an interesting movie with that premise, but this movie doesn't do a good job. Is he a bratty kid? Is he a neglected kid? Is he bratty because he's neglected? Maybe, but I don't really feel it. I don't really feel bad for him. There's so much really, really bad slapstick. Like when the snake escapes at this big fancy dinner and then Sims is going after the snake and the snake is slithering under the table and then Sims goes under the table and then all of these tables start flipping over and like food is like exploding. And there's fireworks sound effects going yeah. off. Yeah. It was definitely a turn into a Tom and Jerry cartoon at that point. Exactly. Exactly. And if you want to make the movie a really silly comedy thing like that, okay. But then maybe in the third act, don't have a deranged psychopath pull a gun and aim it at your little kid hero. Like, that's messed up. I mean, <laughs> you know, at the end of Home Alone, when the wet bandits corner Kevin McAllister, they're threatening him. 
but they don't pull out a gun and aim it at him. That would make for a very, very different feel of that movie. They do in The Goonies. Uh, yeah, but that's more of like a teen movie. It's a subtle difference, but I really think that this is weird. My eight-year-old daughter, after we turned off this movie, she's like, that was weird. Like, she thought the ending was weird. I agree. Oh, also, there's a lot of product placement in this movie. There's a Dunkin' Donuts scene in the beginning where Sims is trying to get free donuts. The roller rink thing is a giant Coke can. There's a very gratuitous shot of like all of the Secret Service agents and they're looking at all the monitors and they're passing around a Domino's pizza box and like the camera follows the pizza box as everyone's enjoying this delicious Domino's pizza. And you can too, kids. It's so enjoyable that they don't pay attention to the camera. Right, right. And then Luke can escape or whatever. No, this is a really bad movie. It's a forgettable movie. I am completely going to forget about this movie in a couple of weeks, in a couple months. Maybe someday someone will ask, oh, did you ever talk about First Kid on the podcast? And I'll say, no, what's that? And then I'll think, oh, wait, no, actually, I think we did. That Sinbad movie. (laughs) You're going to forget that you reviewed a Sinbad film, Al? I think so. I feel like Sinbad could have had a bigger career. I agree with you there. Uh, But this movie just doesn't work. It's not good. No, it does not stand the test of time. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I found some parts of it that were cute, but it is not a uh, it is not a uh, stand up film. And probably at the time was not a great film either. Probably not. But that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about a movie with Bill Murray. Yay! I get really excited whenever we watch Bill Murray movies. We're going to discuss What About Bob? I actually have never seen this film, Al. I haven't either. I'm sad to admit it, but I haven't seen this movie. But I'm really excited to get to see it. So until then... Make sure you're subscribed on whatever app you're listening to us on. Hey, did you know that on Spotify, you can rate podcasts now? It's a thing. You can do it. If you're listening to us on Spotify, hit that five-star button. I mean, if you think we deserve five stars, I would think that we do, but I'm a little biased here. However many stars you think we should get, that's how many you should give us. Cough, cough, five stars. And of course, talk to us at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.